Welcome to The Real Life Buyer. Whether you are buying for yourself or your business, here you will find tips, techniques and knowledge to support your journey to buying smart. Interviewing business owners and technical experts to give you information and guidance before parting with your money. Save money, time and get what you want when you want it. Now introducing The Real Life Buyer, Dave Barr. Hello and welcome to The Real Life Buyer. Today, I'm extremely pleased to introduce you to Steve Willis, Managing Director and Dealer Principal of Sykes Harley-Davidson. I've been a keen motorcyclist for a scary 37 years now, having started my motorcycling journey on an old Kawasaki trials bike, riding 20 miles to and from work every day. Since then, I have enjoyed other motorcycles in my stable, including Suzuki, Triumph and KTM. However, some 10 years ago, after taking a shine to the Harley stand at the NEC, I stumbled into a dealership near Silverstone. I immediately fell in love with a custom Fat Bob, took it for a spin and bought it. I still have this bike today and have no plans to part with it anytime soon. So, without further ado, I welcome Steve to the show to discuss the purchasing considerations when looking to invest in this icon of a motorcycle brand. Hello, Steve. Hello, how are you? Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm, I'm good, thank you. It's brilliant that uh, you're on board now and we've got our technical right. things out of the way. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, yeah, nice, uh, nice to be on your podcast and I, I hope I can help the listeners uh, understand uh, our, brand, our brand, Harley Davidson, and, uh, and welcome new riders into it. Absolutely, that's right. Well, let's get stuck in then. Perhaps you could spend a few minutes telling the listeners about yourself your riding history and your journey to becoming the dealer principal of Sykes Harley Davidson. Okay. Um, well, my, my journey is probably quite different to a lot of people in my position in the motorcycle industry. I mean, I've, I've got a technical background in uh, car mechanics. I was a, a mechanic in a family business in Eastbourne uh, for 16 years. So direct from school, uh, I joined my father and grandfather, so we had three generations of us working together, and uh, we had a nice uh, family business. Uh, it was in a back street in Eastbourne. We served petrol, um, pumped gas to people, and looked after MOTs and repairs. And it was a very community kind of styled business. Um, I wasn't really the guy who was the best mechanic. I could do the job, but it wasn't in my heart. And um, you know, I. I I couldn't see a future doing that. Um, my father, uh, who was running the business, um, was ill for quite a, a period of time. And I took the reins of the garage, um, which led me to uh, be more confident and aware of what I wanted to do in the future. And it was manage and look after people and, um, and try and do the best, best we could. And being a backstreet garage, I always wanted to deliver excellence so yeah we were charging less labor than a, a dealer um we were you know we didn't have the facilities as such as a dealer but i wanted to always deliver a dealer standard i, I don't know where it came from i just believe that everything should be correct and every, every service should be done correctly uh, not just wiping an oily rag over things that needed to be done by the book and uh you know my sort of influence at a young age uh, rubbed off a bit and we had a, 
uh, back then a little mini metro as a as a courtesy car and um yeah you didn't have courtesy cars for you know independent garages back then but it was it was quite cool and quirky and it was used well and it, it gained attention um and managing the place and customers expectations was quite natural to me as well um but when my father returned it was a case of okay i'm the boss we don't need two bosses so i went back onto the tools and um my ability to connect with people was was uh yeah one of my uh, uh gift is a strong word but one of my um personal um advantages i guess and uh i had a lot of customers who'd come to us because we got on and i listened and we do the job properly so i then knew that staying in mechanics wasn't for me so i looked at leaving the family businesses which is to be honest, quite a quite a, uh, a difficult uh, choice, and it, in my own thoughts, quite a brave one because you've always, when you work for a family, you've got that sort of comfort blanket, if you like. Yeah. Uh, and I've I've been there since child to man, um, so I looked in um, in being uh, in the sales area of uh, the motor trade. So I went for a couple of interviews. I think one was with Mercedes, and um, from a mechanic trying to get into the sales role in a big dealership it was i was kind of laughed at in a way and uh, i remember the interview and it was quite it's quite harsh and i was with the dp at the time of the mercedes dealership and the sales uh, manager and it was it was a it was a test and a massive uh, eye opening experience um but back then i had served a guy who had um the machinery business um, which was john shaw machinery and he offered me a job at running the um, service side of the business. So we were looking after ground care equipment. Um, it was a, a brand called Toro, which was a, a rival to John Deere. Um, so I was running that business and we were looking after service contracts for you know, Crawley, for Wentworth, for Sunningdale, for all the sort of top level um, grass and uh, turf, uh, especially so from cutting the, the lawns next to the road to cut in um, the the lawns at uh, you know at Wimbledon, we were the ones who who looked after the equipment, looked after service contracts, and um, and so I, I ran that for three years. And we had a team, contract servicing guys going out, uh, a very very keen at looking after people again because you're looking after superintendents of high end golf courses and and greenskeepers who expect the best. So it was good, again good to learn this and take this on board because the company took on Harley Davidson and Harley Davidson was um, was looking at the time for someone in our area. And it was a perfect timing because we had some business meetings, the directors and Harley Davidson at the time, and they took on the brand. It, it worked well on area. I worked well on the, um, where we are at Holmes Hill. Um, so in months, really, we also were going to run Harley Davidson. Now with Harley Davidson and the greens, um, area of the business we thought it would run and we thought we'd you know we'd do a few motorcycles and it would add to the pot and you know it would it would all you know work out really well but in a very short space of time the motorcycle sales grew rapidly the the popularity of the new dealership grew beyond our expectations and John Shaw looked at where we were and where the business would go forward and uh, looked at selling the business to the two directors at the time. 
So they took the John Shaw business of uh, of machinery to another location, and the site uh, began and came Shaw Harley Davidson. So the complete site, which is a two-acre site, a really nice site that we've got here. Um, then I basically, uh, I, I guess we spoke the other day, really created my own value. So I, I found that I was connected with people from the service level, but not only that, but into the um, into the showroom as well. And uh, it was it was a natural progression. And as time went by, we found a, another service manager, and I ran as uh, I think I ran as a, like showroom manager or general manager, and then sales manager and sales director. And then um, you know I become manager director in two thousand and 18 uh 2000 late 2017 sorry when john and denise sykes brought shaw holidayson from john shaw john shaw retired 78 years of age and uh john sykes independent businessman came along very passionate about the holidayson brand very passionate about petrol um in all shapes and sizes and bought the business and that's where we are today so his um investment into uh, Shaw Harley-Davidson led it to the change to Sykes and here we are today um, sitting on a you know, a very uh, successful business um, we've been operating now for uh, 18 years and uh, got a good reputation obviously never never sort of rest on that there's always things to improve and always things to do but it's been a it's been a good journey and I think the the layers of where you've been and where you are now all help into understanding people, business, and uh, and best, best practices, I think. Brilliant. That's really interesting. It's an interesting transgression. Thanks for that. So if we looked at the current range of Harley models, would you mind giving a sort of very brief overview of those models, the kind of retail prices there are at the moment, and what you think your expectations will be for retail prices in 2021? Okay. Um, there's There's some big changes that are happening with Harley-Davidson and, uh, and and changes to the, the model and the model family. Um, the Sportster that's been around since 1957 and, and a very iconic bike is being discontinued um, for the range for 2021. Now, there might be some 2020 models going into 21, but there won't be new models produced, which is a which is a big blow, really, because it's such a iconic motorcycle. It's it's a, a very customizable motorcycle. The Sportster came in, and we're talking uh, in the early eight thousand uh, pound area of price, um, and onto ten thousand for the twelve hundred. But these bikes have been, like I say, very customizable. They bring in a, a, a younger, uh, I think, group of people. Um, they're a, they're a bike for everyone. You know, they're a bike that's sometimes a, a stepping stone for the bigger uh, V-twin engine. Um, but a lot of times they're a keeper and people just, you know, personalize them and keep them for, I know people who've still got 2003 models that I sold them way back then. Um, so that's a big change. And Harley-Davidson are now looking at the families being reduced. So they will now have the Softail family which changed in 2017 and went on to the Milwaukee 8 engine and new chassis. So the, the soft tail changed then, which was a 
a massive step for Hardy and a really positive one because when they changed the Softel, and when we say Softel, we're talking like Fat Boys, Heritages, Deluxes, um, and uh, so on. When they when they changed the platform, which is the the frame to a mono shop suspension frame and the engine to a Milwaukee 8 engine that started at like 1750cc and went on to 1850 plus. Um, it was something that really boosted sales in many ways. The, the bike was two stone lighter uh, than the previous twin cam model. Uh, it was, I guess, more technically in, in advanced. Um, and the power uh, train from the engine and transmission was smooth, and uh, you know, it was just a winner if someone was, you know, a bit tired of their their previous model and wanted change rather than just changing for a, a bigger cubic capacity twin cam to a completely new engine. It had that it had that wow factor. Um, so that's been uh, sorry. So that's been that was that was a real boost and a real positive step forward for Harley Davidson. So the Softail family will now start. Uh, with the Softail Standard. So the Softail Standard is a very sort of bobber style bike, um, 21 inch front wheel, uh, 16 inch rear, uh, starts with the uh, 107 cubic inch engine and has the small ape hangers and that really clean basic look. Um, that starts at under 12,000. Looking at price range, it may go up slightly. I'd, I'd probably guess a few percent if anything, for the 2021 20, range. Um, then you've got models in the Softail range like the Sport Glide, which is a very popular model indeed. Um, small fairing on the front, uh, upside down forks, uh, cast wheels, um, a real usable sort of uh, crossover tourer. So not, not too big, you know. Mm -hmm. And then you've got things like the Street Bob, which again is a bobber, more blacked out in style, very similar to the Softail standard. So I should go back to the sport. Sport glides around the 15,000 mark, uh, color dependent. Uh, Street Bob in the 12s, again, uh, depending on what color choice you have. Uh, then you've got the Fat Bob, which is a bike that was originally a diner in name. So Harley Davidson done, did some changes, but kept some names. I, think, I don't know if they just want to test your technical knowledge or make sure that the service writers pick it up on the right points. So you could have a 2017 Fat Bob Diner or Softail. So completely different models, but same name. So the Diner and the Street Bob went over into the new uh, Softail family. So the Fat Bob is the one that people will, um, will recognize from a, a very square and elongated LED front light. It's like chopped right off upside down forks, uh, twin um, brake rotors at the front, cast wheels again, and a very tank looking bike. It looks like a tank, it looks heavyweight, but it's one of the best handling bikes in the range. It's an, it's an amazing bike. If you have a sports bike rider who's always wanted a Harley, but not ready for the complete nostalgic look of a heritage or a fat boy perhaps, then a fat bob will tick the boxes because it is a hooligans machine. It will, it will, make someone smile and grin it, it it will make them pull the throttle back slightly more i guess because it's the the style you're sitting upright um you've got a good view of the road ahead and i i think you ride more progressively on something styled like that
And then we've got the classics like the Heritage, um, which has been around forever. Um, I would think early 90s from the Evo. Um, that's a, a very classic looking bike, more blacked out as it was originally now. Um, the 2020 model, blacked out forks, blacked out engine, um, giving it a, a very retro feel, but a, a simple look. Um, I'm not sure yet if they're bringing back Chrome on it in 2021. We, we're yet to find out, and we probably will find out properly in January uh, 21 when they're talking about doing the, a virtual launch of the, the new models. Um, the Fat Boy, again, is a soft tail. Um, the Fat Boy is one of my favorites. The Fat Boy's been around forever um, with the original Ghost, which was a silver bike with the uh, yellow um, highlights in the, for instance, in the, the top of the engine, um, all the way through to the 30th anniversary that they did this year, which was a, a full blacked out uh, gold badged uh, um, representation of the bike. Um, the Fat Boy had many changes and it's totally changed its stance but kept its um, it's kept its silhouette so on a with a shadow of the bike on a on a white background you would recognize it's a fat boy but when the lights hit it it's a fat boy but it's got this prototype feel about it the 16 inch wheels or should i say 17s when they moved up into the the 16 inch wheels originally like the Terminator's bike, have now gone to 18s. So two-inch bigger rims. And not only that, you've got a, from a 150 mil rear tire, you've gone to a 240 mil rear tire. And the front tire now is bigger than the original rear tire. <laughs> so the Fat Boy has a 160 front tire, which is huge. Inch and a quarter handlebars, a, a locomotive-style headlight. So again, an, a chopped headlight. It's gone from the big sort of um, domey headlight into this chopped uh, satin chrome uh, front end and they keep the satin chrome throughout the bike. It is a stunning bike to look at and it is truly the iconic bike as well, the Fat Boy. Fat Boy to Harleys is like Big Mac to McDonald's. You know, you don't have to say the latter. You say the first and everyone know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, the Deluxe, which is a very nostalgic uh, bike, very similar to the Heritage, came in a single seat kind of like a Cadillac style indicator lights on the later models. Looks like it's being dropped for 2021. When I say dropped, a lot of times Harley seem to give a model a rest and then bring it back on. We've seen it before, like the Softail standard that's come back in 2020 uh, was around in 2002 to probably 2006 or something like that off the top of my head. It had a rest, it's come back. Um, there are models that they've done that before with, and uh, it's interesting. Um, they, I doubt if they're bringing things like the Springers back, which are my favorites as well, like the Crossbones and the, you know, the standard FL Springer um, because of the ABS issues and stuff like that with that floating sort of engineered front end. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a good mix of Softails. Um, so there's a, a bike for all. Uh, and then you go into the touring range as well. As well, so you've got the the big baggers, as they're called in the states. Yeah, you know, you've got the the hard boxes on the back. You've got the you can have the fairings on the front or the screens on the front. So we're talking the you know the classic Road King. Uh, we're talking about the Road King specials. Uh, we're talking about Street Glides and Street Glide specials. 
ultras and road glides. So these bikes are the mile munching bikes. You know, they've got the luggage capacity, they've got the comfort, but the, you know, the, the soft tail saying that we'll do the 500 mile ride if you want a day, you know, they've got the comfort there, but these ones are to accommodate all your gear with it as well. Uh, infotainment systems, as in Bluetooth connectivity with sat nav and, you know, Spotify and Apple play. Um, yeah, they've got all the, all the gear going on cruise control. Um, fantastic bike to ride. I was lucky enough to ride in 2018 from LA to Milwaukee for the 115th anniversary. And I, I was lucky to have a road glide, which is a little bit of a Marmite bike. It's, um, it's got a, a very square double headlight in the front and uh, a huge fairing and the fairing sits um, static with the bike. So the bars move, but the fairing doesn't unlike the street glide. And uh, yeah, I, it, that never plays on my mind, but people always pick up on that. Um, but that bike is an amazing, probably one of my favorite chores because of the size, because of cubby holes, because you can ride it progressively. The, the handlebar style, which pull back towards you, big inch and a quarter again, allow you to ride in a very relaxed, cruisy position. Or when you're going around some twisties, be it the Stelvio Pass or be it, you know, uh, along some beautiful coast road, um, you can, and it sits nicely and it handles really well. So the tours um, will always hold their own. And I think obviously still the biggest sellers in the USA, you know, you go to a, a big meet like the Milwaukee, in Milwaukee when they had the 115th anniversary, you cannot believe the rows and rows and rows of tours. Not so much here. I think here it's a sort of third generation bike. I think people come in, dip their toe with a, a sports tour or a diner, a soft tail, and then they will find out, yeah, they, they, they're going to Portugal, they're going to, to the south of France, they, they're going on a ride with some mates, and they will organically evolve to, to having a touring bike. Um, comfort for pillion, comfort for rider, and with, like I say, everything that you need to accomplish these uh, destinations. Yeah, so... I could go on. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, where do I stop? <laughs> yeah, that's right. It, it, think about the the pricing. The, uh, how uh, how much the uh, retail prices are they for the uh, for the fat Bob and the fat boy? And they where do they start? I know there's no. Yeah, finish. I mean, the, yeah, I mean, yeah. Obviously, with customization, there there is no finish. Only the yeah. the bank account being broken. Um, yeah, I mean, you're talking like I said with the soft tails, you're getting into the market at just under twelve thousand. And going up, talking about the heritage and the fat boy, you're talking sort of 19,000 with the 114 engines, um, just uh, north of that. And then going into the touring market, you're going to around the 22 plus. Um, you can go all the way up to a CVO model in the tours, which is called custom vehicle operations. So this is like the top spec, like they do the, uh, they do this sort of thing with Range Rovers as well. It's the ultimate. So not only do you get, uh, like for this year, for instance, a 117 cubic inch engine, you get the custom paint, you get the options of chrome or black engine cases, you get all the billet equipment. When I say billet, it's like aircraft machined, um, foot peg uh, shifters and uh, all, the, all the top end stuff that Harley Davidson do from their own catalog. Uh, and these bikes go to 32, 34,000 pounds. Very limited though. So yeah. as a dealer, we might be lucky to have three uh, of, of each. Um, and yeah, there's kind of like 
Well, we'd probably be lucky to have six CVOs uh, in the year. Uh, so normally there's customers' orders only, um, and then they, they pull them down from the, the factory in that customer's name. Or if they do land in the UK, then you know you might get one on a display terms so you can offer it to your, your customer base. So they are the, the best of the best. We do our own thing as well with the custom shop. We do something called SSO, which is Site Special Operations. So if anyone wants a custom bike, but they want to keep it Harley Davidson, then we offer that. So it might be a fat boy, totally accessorized with 117 engine, custom paint, painted wheels, whatever the, the customer wants. We can do that special program. I think they do things like that with TaylorMade. I think it's called with Ferrari. Um, Rolls-Royce obviously have always done bespoke stuff. And then we have um, Speed and Custom, which has been around since 2010 for us, which was a brand in a brand. And um, Speed and Custom is our custom house, uh, which is located at the same home seal. And we do uh, bespoke bikes from sort of the, the frame upwards if necessary. But we always use Harley Davidson. We don't do hardtails. We don't um, buy in aftermarket frames. We use the original frame and geometry. Might change front ends. We might take all the running gear off engine out everything and repaint the frame and build it upwards i mean we've done some nice bikes we've done some some bikes for obviously high-end customers we built a couple of bikes for grayson perry the artist uh, and uh you know big man in that area uh, that he's uh, recently used on on the television as well which is quite quite nice to see um so we are uh, we are in a nice place of being an independent dealer who can offer what people's uh, expect, expectations are and and that's custom i mean you walk into a harley Davidson show and then you expect to be able to personalize your your bike be it from the get-go or down the line once you once you know where you are yeah yeah just interested in uh, the new stock so is the new stock you receive something that you've ordered yourself you've selected or is it pushed out from the factory and you take what you get how does that work i think um I think things are changing for 21 and I think we'll be allocated uh, our showroom and demo bikes by the motor company because they, you know, they look like they're sort of reworking the way they do things um, to provide for their dealer network. Um, in the past, it's been a case of um, myself, my uh, sales manager and the team sitting down and, and looking what's best for us. I mean, obviously we used to, a certain you know a certain mix of bikes you know if some dealers uh especially in the states would probably choose more tours and softels and and uh, sportsters and so forth we've always had good stock we've always tried to choose to have a real good mix so you can walk in and you can see the sportsters the diners the softels the tours and understand what is available so we've always been to cherry pick We've always been able to cherry pick, really, which has been nice. We're, we're limited to the number of bikes we can have. And uh, we have, um, you know, time frames of, of payment for the bikes that we have in stock. And once we've sold them, then we're allowed to replenish the stock. Um, but we've always gone out to make sure that someone comes in and understands the whole range. Um, because what we wouldn't want to do is have someone like yourself visit the store, buy a bike, and then find out there's another bike similar <laughs> that they could have had. You know, we like to put everything out in front and, and do the best we can to make sure the choice 
which we, we respect is quite an investment for any individual to, to make sure they've got the right bike that they want. But saying that, most of the time people come in, they're well-educated, they've studied, they've been on the internet, they've watched YouTube, they know they want a Sport Glide or a Fat Boy or you know, uh, Heritage and so on. Um, but again, sometimes it does happen where someone is going to spec up a bike um, which is going to exceed the price of a bike that's already got it, if you see what I mean. They were, they were just looking at one, one of the members of the family, as we call it, and they wanted that bike. It happened with things like Fat Boys. Um, you could sell a Fat Boy before it sort of uh, took the steroids and blew up into this huge, muscular um, American dream. And uh, they would kit out. They would want to kit out a, a Fat Boy with passing lights, a screen, uh, pillion seat, some bags. And you say, well, yeah, you should buy a Heritage. Really, uh, do you want? A, do you want the solid wheels? And they, no, not really. Not really fast. Well, the heritage here is going to save you a few thousand pounds on what you're doing. So, obviously, we're here to to do that and be specialists in that field. That that's what could happen if you didn't have, um, you know, the bikes in front of you and you didn't have staff, I guess, that were open and um, willing to give advice, I guess. And we're we're um, we're a non-commissioned paid dealership as well. So, which is unique, I think. Um, and talking to the network and knowing the motor trade um, our guys do not get commission on selling more expensive motorcycles so which is great you can focus on what that person wants it's not going to affect the the salesperson's wages if they sell you the five thousand pound bike or the fifteen thousand pound bike which um, is always i think is always at the back of people's minds if Things are moving forward because things do move forward. You know, we all go out to buy something and end up with going two tiers higher. You know, it does happen. You know, you look for a car, you look for a house, and suddenly you're in a an area where you know you didn't first set out to be. But we all strive to get the best we can, don't we, for our buck? Yeah, absolutely. So you've got still some influence, but it's going to be a little bit more uh, factory led than in the future. Yeah, I think by the sounds of it, the factory. Uh, well, I say the factory. Uh, Harley Davidson UK. Uh, we work. We've obviously they're the distributor of the of the Harleys, and um, they, by the sounds of things, will allocate us uh, a display and uh, demo fleet, which which isn't always the best because you know you don't know what's going to happen. You what you don't want is um, you know fifteen red bikes in your showroom. You know I like to have a mix. I like to have the two tones and the blacks and the and an and array of colors and that's always the danger when someone's just got the job of allocating dealers bikes because they're not thinking or seeing the way we are at the retail level they're just doing a job that's always a a bit of a worry um so we'll have to see how that sort of pans out yeah yeah and do yeah. they um handle the logistics though do you have to look at importing the bikes or do they just manage the whole no, no, process no. Yeah, that's luckily that's all managed. So Harley Davidson UK manage all the uh, distribution of the bikes. Um, they they handle obviously the currency, uh, the tax, the customs, everything like that. So it's it's fairly straightforward for us. If we order a bike um, at the moment, they come from Belgium when they've arrived from the states. They go to a Belgium holding depot, and then they're shipped from uh, Belgium to a, another logistics company who then bring them on crates to us. And when we uncrate them, 
And uh, yeah, it's just a case of then uh, free delivery, inspecting them, adding accessories and going online and, and registering the bike for the customer. So yeah, it keeps things simple that way. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And also, you mentioned it's a significant investment for people. Uh, when you get up to 30K, that's um, some kind of wedge, isn't yeah, it? But, uh, it is. Uh, yeah, so as you, as you mentioned, it's quite important the person picks the right bike or selects the right bike for their particular style. So would you say, yeah. you know, how do your guys go to try and assess the, the most appropriate bike for that person's style of riding? Because it do vary quite a bit. They do vary quite a bit. I mean, I guess from myself being active in sales, it's about connecting with the customer and understanding what they're looking for. Understanding will be uh, many things. Understanding will be if it's going to be uh, something that someone wants to go away on, uh, if they want to go touring, if they want to uh, ride uh, as a couple, take a pillion, um, you know, that compared to someone who just wants to, you know, roll around at the weekend um, or the person who wants to commute day in, day out are really, you know, strong questions. I think the questions are, are very important to, to get out there in the first instance to understand where to look. Obviously, the understanding as well is budget. So, you know, it's no good talking all day about a £30,000 CVO, which is the ultimate tourer, when the customer has got a 10 grand budget. Um, you know, we can then look into, you know, what's available um, on the pre-owned fleet as well. You know, we've got to ask as well if, if it's new only or are they looking at, you know, used. Um, and then satisfying them, I guess, on, on what is available, you know, and making sure the bike is the right size for the, the the you know, solo rider or the the twin make seeing how long they've been riding because obviously that makes a difference with um insurance especially with the younger audience you know you could go down a, a, a long sort of sales process and then find that it's unaffordable to insure um that does that can happen with the young generation but um yeah it's not been a big problematic area to be honest uh and then finding you know having a look around at what what bike is for them and you know sometimes i will say to the customer um you know what you got to do is buy with your heart you know you've got to be you've got to be attracted like you were by the sounds of it to the fat bob customized fat bob that you saw yeah, yeah. you've got to be attracted it's got a, i think in this industry it's more than just a motorcycle yeah it's however cliche that sounds you've got to be attracted to it it's like when you've seen your partner for the first time you're attracted to go to speak to them and make those bold moves and then find out if they're compatible. So I think the first step is seeing something that makes you buzz, seeing something that you know that, you know, if you're not riding it, you're proud to own it. I think that's a big key thing. And then seeing if it's, it's capable of doing the job you want it to do. Yeah. You know, if it's a, if it's a, if a sportster is, is really attracting someone and it's got an eight liter tank and they want to go to the South of France and they've got all these fans, then as much as they adore it and love it, it's not the right bike, you know? And uh, yeah, I think that's, that's key. And, and so I think that's, that's a, that's a real strong part of the conversation. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the way myself and the team are, it's a, it's a, it's a relaxed atmosphere. You know, it's, it's not pressured sales driven because um, you know, we don't 
really work hard on targeting our individual salespeople. Um, you know, we're quite happy how the natural flow of people buying bikes has happened over the, you know, over the last 18 years, you know, it's, um, we've never really changed things. You know, we have targets like everyone on with Harley Davidson and, and, and what we do to allow us to be a better dealer and uh, invest more. But um, yeah, we're quite easy on the gas really and, and let people find themselves and don't feel under pressure to make snap decisions, you know, and it works. And that, that can be coming into the store or connecting, you know, contacting us from outside the store, you know, because obviously we've always got bikes online. Um, we're quite prominent on the, the used bike market as well. And yeah, we, we again, connect with them and make sure that they're looking at the right thing. But I guess with the people who are searching the internet, it's a, it's a different ball game again, kind of know what they're looking for. It's just, it's either that one or that one. And yeah, then you can help them with the information, videos, pictures, history, you know, everything that you need to know to help you make a decision confidently as a buyer. Yeah. Yeah. You touched on uh, finance, obviously the costs. Are there financing options available from your dealership? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, we use, um, yeah, we have a finance help. We have uh, the motor company have um, Harley Davidson financial services. So they're basically black horse as well. They're black horse services. So th this, um, uh, allows us to um, you know, offer PCP plans, which are the plans when you have a balloon payment at the end, uh, HP, which is directly um, paying for the bike. Um, yeah, which is a, a, an option that we always must you know, make people aware of that we can do. Um, again, we're not pressure selling on finance. It's just there as a, you know, as a, a product that's available to, to help people, you know, move forward with um, a purchase uh, as they wish. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Okay, we've touched on customization. Uh, now, I certainly like, uh, you know, engines that perform, should we say. Um, and there's this reference to stage tuning. Those people who are not Harley owners may not understand stage tuning. Can you explain that yeah. for them? Yeah, it's, it's stage one, two, three, four. Um, they're all... Uh, they're all probably stages that people like nod at but would probably like more information on i mean a lot of it a lot of times if you were to buy a, a new bike you'd you'd probably be um keen to have it sounding like the harley sound and that's where the stage one comes in now stage one is basically when you change the pipes so a lot of people change their exhaust pipes and you can have slip-on style exhaust that just change the 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 end cans if you like of the bike and keep the the headers or manifold original, uh, which will enhance the noise. Or some people change the whole system, which you'll see shorter versions, longer versions, twin dual versions of, of pipes that give out um, you know, quite a, a loud tone, which you'll recognize as a Harley Davidson. Um, to complement the stage one pipes and to have a complete stage one, people also change the air breather because obviously when they come into the country, the emissions are restricted so they can legally get through um, all, the, all the checks. And um, the breathers are um, changed, as a, when I say breather, air filter. The air filters are changed so they breathe better. They have more airflow. Um, you'll see 
people have heavy breathers, which are the cone-shaped ones, or they may have a, uh, a breather that's more nostalgic, which keeps the original, for instance, circular air filter. But the innards have changed. They have the like K&N style, more heavy breathing filter. So you've got more air going through. So to, to complete that, they do different fuelers, different fuel packs. So the fueling is adjusted with the ECU. So you've got this balance of air fuel ratio and you've got the more um, quicker outlet of the gases. So you have a complete stage one tuning. Gives you the, no the noise that people grin at. It gives you a crisper throttle response and it gives you some more horsepower. Um, so that's stage one. And then people may go on to stage two, which is generally cams. So they change their cams in their engine, which allows them to uh, change their sort of torque curve. So there's different cams where you may have a cam that the power comes in at the lower end of the bike. So when you, like for instance, if you, uh, if you, uh, uh, I have to be careful how I say this, I guess. Can't say if you were racing for the traffic lights because obviously you <laughs> wouldn't be doing that. If you were on a drag strip in a controlled environment, <laughs> then it would give you more power from from the from the acceleration from pulling the throttle open. Um, and then there's cams where you can have the power curve come in later, so you'll get the power peak at a certain RPM. Um, higher lift cams etc so that's stage two is cams stage three is when you change your cylinder pots if you like and your pistons so you've got bigger cubic capacity so you've got a bigger cylinder and bigger piston so that's stage three so you could go up from you know 80 you go up to 114 cubic inch to 117 cubic inch harley davidson do 131 cubic inch now uh, mm. which is huge and they brought that out this year um so you can, that's stage three, cylinders and pistons. Stage four is when you do the heads as well. So you change your heads complete. So you've got um, you've got the more polished ports, the bigger valves, uh, the more efficient flowing uh, high flow heads. So stage four would be heads, pistons, cylinders, cams, air filter, fueler, and pipes. So that'd be stage four. Um, and you'll be lighter yourself because your, your wallet would be much lighter <laughs> from the experience. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you've got, you've got all these um, Screaming Eagle products that, that Harley Davidson do that have been around for forever. Um, and, and, yeah, people love it. it. It could Back in the carburetor days, you would change your Mikuni carb to a, a bigger 44-millimeter carb um that i did on an old 95 so you have, you have this big throttle suck and then you change your your coils you can change your ht leads you can get screaming eagle higher performance uh, spark plugs so yeah i mean it's um it's fun tuning is fun you know so if it's customizing or tuning it's still personal to you you know you can have a 131 cubic inch um soft tail low rider s which is uh, you know, quite a mid-sized bike. It's not huge. It's quite a naked bike, but with 131 cubic inches, it's going to be like, you know, you, you've got to be prepared. You know, it's going to be like riding <laughs> a, a, stallion, a stallion that's been stung by a scorpion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And just bolts away, you know. It's, um, yeah, it's good, it's good fun, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you, just thinking, trying to get some perspective now. So just thinking of... 
a standard bike you bought with no uh, adaptations, let's say yeah. that is classed as 100 points. If you're going to go to stage one, two, three, and four, go up to the scale, would it go to like yeah. from 100 to 110, ultimately to like 150? Or how would you give that understanding to people of what those stage jumps are in performance? In performance? That's difficult, yeah. really. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think if you, I think the people, you know, if you go to stage four, it's people who are really sort of uh, performance orientated in their mind. I mean, there's, yeah. there's uh, I guess there's two. There's people who really are, um, you know, focused on the engineering and the performance side and study the power curves and the, you know, and, and the stage three might be a little bit quicker on this curve at this RPM than stage four. And then you'll get the, the clients who just like stage four is like a, it's like having a five liter Mustang. Right. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Why would you have the, the lower CC Mustang when there's a five liter available? You know, it, it, it can be like that. You know, why have one turbo when there's a bi turbo Mercedes available? You know, yeah. it's, um, you know, there are bragging rights, I think. And, you know, I could be caught up in that quite easily myself. Um, <laughs> And there are the ones that are kind of like the, the techno kind of engine junkies uh, who want to do it. But I mean, the investments, the investment and points gain is all down to, I guess, how much the, the it's, it's a different thing in Harley. I think it's the, it's the, cause it's yours and it's personal. Mm. It kind of like, it's, it's an investment into, into just having, into making your bike, totally yours and it's it's got the you know you, you've, you've invested time researching and you, you've changed the can and you went for these ones so that one it's it's this addiction sort of thing it's um yeah yeah i guess it's like tattoos and ink you know you start <laughs> with a little tattoo don't you and suddenly you've got a sleeve <laughs> and you know half of it going around your neck it, it's addiction in a way yeah customizing i think and performance are addictive you know because customizing what is customizing customizing to some is changing their grips and their pegs to match you know which is custom yeah it's in the custom catalog and then customizing to others is going for a 300 in the back end and uh you know yeah. taking the bike down to the frame and not only doing that doing a, a you know the, the biggest engine you can do um but if you're spending 60 grand or you're spending you know far less you're still getting the same buzz, aren't you? Because it's yeah. all relative to to where you're at in life, I guess, and 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 what pleases you. Yeah. So it's really it is hard to to point put it in a point scoring system um, because it's just down purely to the individual and and what their expectations are. If someone, I mean, no one's going to really get the true power out of a one thirty one stage four engine unless they're a pro. You know, yeah. you know, it's it's their you can blast easier past traffic if you know you're in a rush. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but it's um, yeah, it's a good question. It's really hard to, to yeah. sort of answer that. And I, I think hopefully I've fumbled my way through it. And there is a little bit of sense there. <laughs> it, I, I, I've been in this world so long. I kind of like I know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I understand, yeah. mate. That's good. No, thanks for that. That's really good. Um, we mentioned uh, obviously customization. I'll delve a little bit deeper in, into that. 
obviously some of the bikes you see out there I've seen have got some pretty amazing paintwork. Yeah. Just trying to say, you know, you guys do a hell of a lot of customization and, uh, you know, paintwork is, it's very individual. So how do you try and turn people's dreams of what their bike should look like uh, into reality? Let's, let's say, let's start on, on the paint. Do you have a custom paint shop or do you work with specialists in the area yeah. or how do you work I mean, on that? We, we've worked for probably 15 years with uh, a paint company in Cambly called Image Design Custom. And Tom Fuller and his team are, are really good. Obviously, it always takes time to get a really good team together because uh, you want the experience and you want um, you know, the inspiration and the imagination that you need in paint. Um, yeah, so we've worked with them. They, they, they're very well known. Um, we've sort of grown with them in a way and they've grown like, you know, suddenly like your daughter looking you in the eyes, you know, to a, a level um, quicker than you expected uh, at working with big brands. So they work with Red Bull, Monster. I mean, they do all the Red Bull athletes' helmets. Every every Red Bull athlete from a downhill ski jumper to a motocrosser to a mountain biker to a, a, a supboard athlete, you name it, they do their, their helmets because those, those Red Bull helmets are all painted individually. They're not mass-produced. They're all one-offs. Each one is different, you know, yeah. themed of that individual athlete. So they do really good, you know, contracts with uh, big companies like that. But we've grown up with them, and I guess we grew with them in a way that we tested their skills from day one, um, and then they they sort of progressed further than they they were thinking they would be because of the challenges that they were given. You know, so we'd start off with a, you know, you say you came in and you wanted a, you know, a, a custom soft tail. Um, you know, you kind of got it in your mind of what you want. You like, it's kind of like, right. I've always, I, I've dealt with some foreign clients before from Angola to Australia to America. And they're, a lot of them are done by email. Um, you know, we, it was, it was rare that you do a Zoom call. I mean, Zoom and Teams and all that are, are really 2020 stuff, aren't they? I mean, we had, yeah. what a FaceTime before, but this is, this is sort of natural now to, to get with people and talk to them on these uh, these apps. So I I ran this, well, I, I, I'm a big part of the speed shop from 2010 when we really sort of went on the map because we won uh, the world championships in Sturgis for custom bike building. And uh, that was a big accolade because it was the first time a dealer won it, the first time anyone from Europe won it. It was massive for us. And then uh, we got a lot of people come and ask us questions. And uh, for instance, I, I this guy from Angola wanted a bike and uh, I have to ask him many, many, many questions without being too intrusive, but needing to know. Yeah. So if I was building a bike for someone remotely, I need to know what kind of personality they are. I need to know if they're flamboyant, if they're modest, if they are a show off, if they're like, like to be noticed or if they're more subtle, um, what they're sort of um what they're what they wear on their wrist what they wear on their backs you know it's kind of like if they're more prada than george you know it's kind of like you have to ask all these questions to understand who you're building this bike for because it's no good building a very james bond ish understated but very very classy bike um for someone who wants it to shout out 
standing still based on color or based on size of wheels or based on chrome or lighting or whatever. So it's really important that the questions are asked again. This is like selling in a showroom, but this is another level. This is really personal um, because what you don't want is that, that bike to arrive and go, it's a lovely bike, but it's not me. That's happened once out of 200 builds. I built a bike for a Swiss guy and he wanted Ferrari, Ferrari inspired, you know? So to <laughs> me, Ferrari inspired is a bike that doesn't have Ferrari all over it, um, isn't obvious, but has elements that if you know Ferrari, you would recognize, you know, you think, oh my God, that's like a, a Scagletti or whatever. The, you know, these elements would be, would be noticeable for those people in that arena plus him sort of thing. So we built this bike and it went, it went to Switzerland and I was on holiday and he phoned me up. He said, Steve, he said, I've got the, it didn't go to Switzerland. Sorry. It was still with us. We sent him a wee transfer album, video, et cetera, of the bike. And he phoned me up and he said, Steve, I love the bike, but it's not me. And I went, how do you mean? And he, I said, it's got the, yeah, this, and it's, it's in the colors that you like. He said, it's, it doesn't shout out enough. Right. And I said, okay, send me some examples. What, what you mean? And he said, oh yeah. And he sent me these pictures and it took my breath because it was kind of like so obvious and not being rude. It was, it was so tacky, but that's what he wanted. So I'd missed those questions. So we did what you would hope would be done. We, we painted and we, yeah, refabricated the bike. So it had obvious, um, inspirations from Harley, but to a, a tacky level, I'd, in my opinion, you know, to him, it was perfect. But to me, it wasn't as I thought it should be. So I was putting too much of me into it or, or didn't advise enough along the way. So people make mistakes, but you put them right. Um, but yeah, that was one of the ones that, that, that didn't go 100%, but we got around it and we did it and it got delivered and now it's all happy and it's all good. Um, and I think you have to make these mistakes to learn from and you have to be humble and, 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 and put your hand up and say, okay, that's, that's my fault because I, I should have asked a, a few more. I should have got a, a few more pictures because we, we like to get mood boards from customers. You know, send us anything that inspires you. It can be architecture, uh, you know, architecture, fashion, you know, a, a watch face, a, a, a handbag, you know, whatever color design. And you can soon tell by a, a mood board how detailed that person is. You know, if it's a guy who wants like the Ferraris all over his bike, or it's a guy or or girl or whatever who likes the detail, be it the I like this the way they put this buckle with this strap and all this sort of thing. And and you can you can learn from that. And it's real it's a real test and it's a real responsibility. Um, because they are putting all their trust in you. We we don't have CAD design. We don't we um, you know, we're hoping to progress to that one day where we can lay out a bike that this that your bike will look like once it's finished i mean we worked with roland sands design yeah and in america and he did a he did a beautiful picture of a of a bike because we did a collaboration project with him and our bike was that picture when it finished which was really cool i, I love that the way we replicated the bike from the the original thoughts and inspiration for the picture but we haven't got those tools to do that so it's all been I'm leaving it with you. I trust you. 
and being open with people and say, actually, you know, you wanted dragons all over it. Don't think it's going to work. But if that's what you want, then we'll work on that. You know, because I'm always thinking ahead as well. I'm always thinking of uh, residual value for them as well. I don't want people to invest a huge amount of money into a custom buy and then say, look, I'd like a project. I want you to sell this and then having a problem. You know, all our speed and custom bikes have been very resellable um, if they've come back in to, to stop. So that, I think that's that's always on the forefront of my mind as well. Yeah, yeah. I guess you've got to have uh, this massive catalogue in your head of what's available as well, because that used to be like an Encyclopedia Britannica from memory of all the different options. Yeah. Is that still the same? Is that all yeah. online now rather than the books? Uh, they, they have brought out books today. We're just talking about this today because we had a bike that came in because we're doing a lot more um, sort of classic Harleys or future classic Harleys. So we're buying you know early twin cams because the twin cam, we, uh, we mentioned it earlier, people maybe moving forward to a, a, a more who've had a twin cam. Um, I'm talking about twin cams now because twin cams to me are future classics, especially like early twin cams. I say early as in like 2000 plus. So we've been like buying and, and looking at um, models that are quite rare, Springer Crossbones, Fat Boys. Uh, I bought a bike called a Mooglide the other day, which is a, a 94, 95, and it's got cowhide seat. And what we're building as well, not only doing the, the speed and custom shop, is having kind of a, like a classic corner. Um, so, you know, we're talking 10, 11 grand fat boys on a 2005, 15 years old, but we refurbished them in-house with our custom skills. So they are back to factory standard. That's what I want to do. So if a bike comes in like a crossbones, I've got two, I bought two crossbones the other day, uh, one owner bikes, but slightly neglected um changed around a bit different pipes as in short ones that don't really match that whole nostalgic thing so we've been refurbishing this so any, anything that needs to and we've been doing so come 2021 we will have a i think a whole host of future classics that have been done by sykes so that that to me is factory spec with harley davidson accessories and now you mentioned the harley davidson book it's super thick and I, I went off on the curve then because you said about the book. They, they brought the book out in 2020, so we've had it all year. Uh, we've also had a brochure, but I think looking at manufacturers in Harley, I think they may, this is my own opinion. This isn't from anywhere but my own head. Uh, I think they might go online, like you say, with the, with the accessory catalogs. I think they might go online with um, you know, the, the future brochures. You, know, you can always look yeah. at bikes online. People do like brochures. I like brochures. We had a 2008 brochure arrived, and it's it's that thick of just the bikes. You know, it's <laughs> it's you know, I think it's part of the prestige of Harley to have a nice brochure. But you know, I think that may be a thing of the past. Um, but I, I do I do like the brochures. Um, yeah, so the catalogue is is one to get your head around. But when you go into the next level of customization um, with a speed and custom shop there's many more catalogs as thick as the, the Bible of Harley Davidson accessories. Yeah. Um, and then there's fabricated stuff. Like we, we've got some talented guys in our workshop that would fabricate a rear fender um, or machine parts that uh, we can engineer onto uh, a bike to make it look different, be f functional, but 
different. I mean, Neil Sefton, who's uh, one of our very talented uh, head customizers down there, he we did have a bike called a Flatliner once, and it had a, uh, a leaf spring seat, so it was like a floating seat, and that was based on an, uh, a twin cam model at the time. So, yeah, they're, they're clever guys. I'm lucky to have a team. Obviously, like it does take time to get the right team together, but we're in a good place with um, everyone we've got in the workshop. Yeah, yeah. One of the things you mentioned, uh, and this is a contentious point on our rights here, but noise. And that's something that yeah. Uh, yeah, it comes up in the press a lot. And we all know about the loud pipe save lives kind of stuff. Um, and that seems to be changing. The regulations are changing around Europe. Now, obviously, yeah. you know, as, as Harley riders, we're going to cover country to country to country going on our tours. Um, yeah. Can you give us a, a quick snapshot of where you, where you think this is going and uh, how you can make sure that you try and stay within the rules as you're going from each country to country? Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, it's one that's been talked about since I joined Harley-Davidson, basically. So in 2002, when we were sort of prepping to open the doors, the loud pipe conversation was one back then that the that the motor company and, and other authorities would say uh, there'd be no more loud pipes. Yeah, and, and uh, manufacturers like Vance and Heinz, who not only do Harley pipes, they do pipes for all other manufacturers. And then you've got uh, the pipes that are made for the sports bike market and everything, obviously nibbled their nails and still are from from back then to where we are now. So like 18 years later, there's still loud pipes going on bikes. Like you say, loud pipes save lives. We've seen the badges and, and people do hear a bike coming up the road, but there is that element of noise pollution and yeah and uh invasion of people's um yeah noise uh levels that that has to be thought of i mean the harley davidson screaming eagle uh pipes that they build uh for the milwaukee eight and for the tours enhance the sound of it uh enhance the the sort of the the tone of the motor but they're not they're not ear bleedingly loud yeah. Um, you can you can purchase the louder pipes, um, but they are technically um, not street legal uh, unless it's written on the pipe yeah, sort of yeah. thing. But I, I don't think you know these things continue to be fitted to bikes around. And uh, I don't know. It's a it's a question I can't really answer about where yeah. it's going because I've expected it to go somewhere in all these years. And it hasn't. <laughs> I don't know if it's too hard to police what the bikes would come. I mean, like you say, Germany and Europe and, and things, they've, they're very restrictive on customizing mm. and on what you've got fitted to your bike, be it a set of pipes, a set of wheels, a set of handlebars. You have to have certificates for everything that you've changed on your bike that's been approved. Um, I think we, we do get away with quite a lot on the custom scene in the UK. Uh, and still in areas of Europe, but Switzerland and Germany are very, are very tight on it. Yeah. Um, I, I think you're, I think, yeah, as you see, sort of, um, you can, you can, like at the moment, we talked about this the other day, you can tap your bike details into like city uh, noise pollution elements and, and it will say your bike's okay, but it doesn't say, have you changed your pipes? It yeah. just it just recognises that the Harley Davidson Ultra Glide that you're on 
is technically okay to ride through the city. Um, I don't think it it does any more drop downs on have you changed your pipes and your cams and this, that and the other. It's just it it is just stock quite rightly from when it's come in and been imported, it does meet all the boundaries that yeah. they need to. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, an ongoing point. conversation, yeah. Yeah. What yeah. do you think of loud pipes? Well, personally, obviously, it gives a bit of character. I, you know, I enjoy it to a degree. Yeah. And there's there are some noises. I guess each person's got their own uh, preference. That uh, yeah. some sound blooming awful, uh, some sound fantastic. It, you know, it really down yeah. to the individual. Um, I agree. I think for me you've is, got a nice. Yeah. Yeah. So the, my my concern is if I want to head down to south of France, if I'm just staying in France, yeah. understand the regs in France, that's great. If I'm going from country to country, you know. I've, it's, it's, it's okay here, but I go two miles and cross the border and it's not okay there. That's yeah. my only concern. So I think it's yeah, I think a, there's food to the fault, yeah, yeah, of touring. If you're, yeah. if you're definitely touring, then you need to check out yeah, what you're riding. And, and yeah, I mean, it's it's not the biggest deal to change a pipe for a big tour, is it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm with you. I, I, I like, a, you know, I don't think it's, I'm 51 years old now. I don't like, I'm, I'm not saying I'm old. I'm 51 <laughs> years young, should I say. And I don't like, the bikes that sound like they've just removed the pipes. Yeah. I think it just sounds awful. I like a nice potato potato sound. Uh, you know, I prefer a slip on to a, a, a sort of sawn off um, shotgun style. Yeah. You know, I like I like the originality of um, a louder pipe, which isn't too intrusive though. Yeah. It's quite endearing of the motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned the competitions and uh, the accolades that Sykes have won now and the team um just thinking about how can you put together a bike from scratch for something like the battle of the kings you know what's your um ability how, you know how do you manage to do it you keep winning guys you know come on you keep doing really well in these competitions so so what gives you the edge um i guess i guess because we we've built a lot of custom bikes uh we kind of have a gauge of what people like uh, if it's retro style or street style or, you know, um, we've kind of got feedback through the years. And then I think we dare to be different. You know, we um, we did a bike uh, called the Beach Bobber that won the UK uh, and went through to the final, uh, European final, I think, and came second. Um, but the Beach Bobber was a Harley-Davidson sportster with a Triumph tank uh, that we put onto it. And it was in a baby blue and it had flowers on it, like like you, a surf, a Hawaiian kind of surf theme, if you want. So it had flowers on the tank. It was baby blue and it had um, 16 inch wheels with excessively ch chunky white wall tires. And we did the rims white as well. So it looked like an extension of rim or tire, if you like. It looked like Noddy goes to Toy Town meets Scooby Doo meets <laughs> Harley Davidson. Now, I think because we're not too serious about ourselves, because in the custom world, I always think there's, um, you know, there are cliches in the custom world where, you know, teams wear their caps down low, they're fully inked up, you know, they've got the pit jackets and the chains around, you know, they, they've just got this image which all this sort of Jesse James kind of custom feel. And that's their, their lifestyle, which I respect, and, and their image and the way they do their bikes. Need, they, they need to be tough and mean 
and uh, you know it's it's an extension of their own personality. Where we were a bit more, I guess, light-hearted, um, a, a, a mix of totally individual people. So we'll have we'll have Neil who builds uh, retro mountain bikes and and talking about really like uh, you know 80s 90s sort of thing and and drives a a, a couple of slammed Volvos uh, with Porsche Cup alloy wheels on and handmade stainless steel exhausts and you know. He's a little eccentric in that way. And then we've got guys who work on, uh, in their own time, enthusiasts in a sort of shovel and knuckle motor world of patinaed old school bikes. And then we've got cyclists uh, that, my, like myself, are into, um, you know, deep carbon rims, uh, you know, lightweight monocot frames and, and uh all that sort of technology stuff. And I think when we mix it all into one big mixing bowl, it creates really good sort of chemistry and comes out with some imagine, imagination and, and like that daring to be different attitude. So this this uh, beach bobber that we built just was the business. It was it was risky because it's a it's a Harley with flowers on. Um, big balloon tires, and it, it had an element of of toy to it. It looked like a toy, um, but that bike actually ended up being brought uh, by Envy Augusta, and uh, the owner of Envy Augusta bought that bike, and it's in his office in Milan. <laughs> wow! Amazing. So I think I think I think that's where where we we've been lucky to to we, we've always like a challenge. We're we're very competitive as well. And uh, yeah, it's that it's that dare to be different attitude and sort of go for it, and try and not just do what is expected, go beyond that. Um, so yeah, we have fun doing it, and it's it's a test every time. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah, we did one called um, the mustard, uh, and that was uh, that was in a Porsche Singer yellow, which is a really strong color to do it in, and we had these uh, pie crust tires on it, like like real old hot rod tires. And basically we just like um, extended the rim with these moon eyed um, rim extensions. And it just, we used a, a stock rim from the 48 and then just did these extensions on and then painted them like you would see on a racing push bike, like when they have the carbon wheels with Campagnola around or whatever. And it worked perfectly. So we, we are inspired by other sort of elements. Like I said about, um, uh, architecture or fashion you know if you've got your eyes open you can bring these in these elements in and and, and mix them up and uh, I, th I think that gives you an advantage if you know what else is out there and uh, are interested in other stuff as well you pull yeah. from it yeah pull yeah borrow ideas and just mix it up with Harley which is uh which can be unique yeah yeah well, look at the time I know you're uh, you're obviously pretty busy I've got two more questions for you if that's okay um, yeah first one Obviously, one of the things that Harley is famous for is the culture, the you know, the hog membership and also our own chapter membership, 1066. What can you say about uh, that? What makes that so special, do you say, as opposed to other uh, types of uh, motorcycle groups? That's a, yeah, that's a really interesting question. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I talk to customers and I, I, they, they're new into the store and, and I try and explain that it's more than 
the the motorcycle there's this lifestyle to it and again it sounds a bit cliche and uh you know but the fact is it's true you know you buy a harley you, you join a chapter bit yeah you know, a, a chapter for everyone who doesn't know is a a club that it evolves from a dealership so us at sykes harley davidson we have a chapter called 1066 and you know if you go you know to to maidstone or guildford they have their own chapters with their dealership so without a dealership there is no chapters we've got 500 members of our chapter and the chapters are really kind of very social place you know not only do they do rides um that will take you to different places and they're, they're, they're very well organized um there's road crews and road captains that organize rides out and there's meetings um that you know people meet at the dealership and they go for a ride and they 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 may visit a castle one day they may visit a, a world war ii bunker they may go to normandy they may go to portugal i mean we've had 40 riders go to the usa and you know, do Death Valley or you know, do 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 the big Florida Keys ride and stuff like that. And um, not only do they do the rides that you would expect, but they also there's parties. You know, there, there's Christmas parties, there's kickoffs for the season, there's end of season parties, there's club nights here near us at Chiddingly, um, just around the corner. There's a club night uh, second Thursday every month, so you get a nice spring summer evening, and you have yeah, 50 Harleys in the car park. And people just sharing a passion between themselves. Um, I'm not sure how Harley have managed to nail it and, and win it because I know other manufacturers would love to do it, but they haven't managed to do it. I don't know why. I think it's maybe because of the the history of Harley Davidson and that sort of that brotherhood. Um, it's kind of like the the seeds has sown always been there, so there are expectations of that. But it is quite unique. Um, to Harley Davidson to have this hog. I mean, when I went to, not going back to that, but going back to Milwaukee and the the um, the 115th anniversary, unbelievable. Uh, how many riders and how many passionate Harley Davidson people there were. And I, I said to my colleague Gary, there is no other brand in the world that could get so many people together in one place. And and I'm telling you, Milwaukee was Milwaukee is the home of Harley anyway, but. It, you just go around the city and it's like that evening there's there's dirt track riding there's racing which is a packed stadium there's beach racing and a beach hangout at the veterans park which is you know 10 blocks that way by the the lake and that is packed and then you go to the Milwaukee uh Harley-Davidson Museum same evening and that is packed and then the streets are packed outside the hotels are packed lines and lines of Harleys people laughing people sharing stories you go into a bar it's packed all with you know harley davidson gear on there is no other brand that can that can do that i mean it is very unique and it is a i think a really strong part of it and it's it's something i think that harley davidson are realizing that 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 core of people are, are really again the future um of the brand you know they've done outreach programs they try to compete in different marketplaces and you know build bikes in india on a different cc just to maybe prop up the numbers but i think they they're realizing now that it's it's the passion it's the luxury in a way which goes in in another form of why but it's it's the desire it's the ownership you know there's so many elements to why harley davidson 
like I said, it, you know, if you pick a bike with your heart and it works and it fits and it does what you want it to do, then just owning that motorcycle makes your buzz, even if work's too busy for you to use it. Commitments are you too busy to use it. You've still got a Harley in the garage. You know, you've made it. <laughs> yeah, nice one. Okay, one last question then, mate. Um, 2021, uh, what should, good should we be getting excited about? What's going on in the dealership? Anything exciting to tell us about? 2021, there's, there's, it's, um, you know, where we've been in, uh, this year and, and hopefully, you know, things are going to clear the way again for, for more, um, definitely. I mean, this year was about... For us, this year was about events. This year was about, uh, you know, special evenings at Sykes um, with extended hours and a, a bike meet night for all bikes. Um, you know, we had Eastbourne bike nights that's very successful that obviously had to stop. We're gonna do, we were going to do bike nights here, which would be, um, I guess, maybe on a, a Wednesday that was going to be extended hours, demo rides for all those people that can't get down at weekends because they work like myself. Uh, if you if you're free on a Wednesday, they could come down, you know, bring you know, ride down on their other make bike and take out a fat bob or a fat boy and and just enjoy it. No pressure environment, food, um, you know, just just that chill zone. And then we're going to do a themed um, Saturday every week. So it be it was going to be Fat Boy Saturday where anyone with a fat boy come in and we'd have Fat Boy parking. So if you were new to the brand and you came in on a Fat Boy Saturday. And you saw 30 fat boys lined up. I think that's going to be pretty cool. That could be the same with V-Rods, with sports to Saturdays, uh, anniversary bikes. I mean, I'm big into anniversary bikes. So if you've got an anniversary bike, ride in, parked up, and it's just, yeah, I'm going to go to that. I'm get dig my anniversary bike out because people have more than one bike. And they roll in on a 2003 anniversary, you know, uh, Harley Davidson Heritage, park it up with the others. It's, it, it was all about doing that and having fun. And we've done fun day Sundays before which is um we don't normally open on a Sunday so we decided when we are going to be open we're going to be proper open so we'd have friends of Sykes here so we'd have people who are you know might specialize in Volkswagen T6s or Mustangs or you know Monster Energy drink a barbershop a nail bar uh food and just have this this buzz about the dealership so you come in on a fun day Sunday and it's different from it just being like a extension of a Saturday there's stuff happening uh, so our energy was all about that and then obviously March you know switch went off and we couldn't do any of that so we've got a lot of uh, burning desire to do things as much as we can in the future you know wherever we go um, you know listen and, and, and run along with guidelines but hopefully we will get back to a nearer norm in the future we can only be positive because we want concerts to be on again don't we we want to be able to go and hang out in you know, restaurants and bars without looking you know and, and look at people's smiles you know we, we all want that so hopefully that will come back and we will sort of re-energize i mean we've had a good year uh despite what's gone on um you know we're, we're still uh, doing our best we can to to finish uh, uh the year um, but that's despite, so, you know, I can only think if you can have a good year with this, then, you know, imagine what it's like without all these restrictions, you know, we'd be, um, we'd be flying. So, uh, yeah, you, I'm, I'm positive about the future. Um, I think with the, the brand itself, 
I think it will be, I know there'll be a, a less of a production of the bikes. I think they're, they're going to produce 30% less Harleys uh, globally, which is quite a big thing. Um, I think it's so the company can can sort of revive the the luxury and, and desire with the motorcycles because you know a lot of manufacturers set out to market and you know you, there's rows and rows of bikes that are all the same you know and mm. you know you can get one on all percent and you know it's it's one of many and I think Harley want to want to have well, you know one of a few you know have that sort of limited um that limited appeal uh creates more desire so i can see i can see the used bike market being uh you know uh sort of a premium area as well where you know the the bikes are going to be unique uh achievable um and uh i think they'll be they'll be at the forefront of people's minds if they can't get hold of what they want to do so you know I, i'm saying you know if you come into sykes and we say you know we can get you one put your deposit down it's not a case of being a hard closer it's it's been a case of being if you don't then you know you may be looking deep into the summer before you get one and let's face it motorcyclist season kicks off in march really you know you get the new plates out in march and the weather changes a little bit better and uh if you've got a bike march april time you can use it all the way through no one wants to take ownership really of a bike when you're biting into near the autumn do you, you want to make the most especially with the english english weather <laughs> yeah um so yeah it's gonna it's gonna i think it's gonna be ch challenging on you um to to be able to to be able to deliver i mean there's nothing more frustrating not only for a customer but for a dealer like ourselves not being able to get you the bike you want yeah, you know yeah. this year now if you walked in and you want you want a black fat boy now you want a, a breakout you want there's no bikes around now they've, they've sold out like many many industries they've, they've sold through because of because of the uh because of covid and because of production and stuff um and it, everyone's on the catch-up yeah uh, so another reason why there's probably going to be less next year but yeah. we're positive we always keep a really good stock of uh used bikes as well and uh like i said we're looking at this classic corner um which i'm very passionate about so uh yeah i'm i'm looking positively towards 2021 being a year that we can really party and appreciate it. <laughs> you know, every time you party, it's going to be, that was really good. I'm, you know, I'm yeah. not going to take that for granted. <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. No, no, that's right. Yeah. Okay, Steve. So uh, if people want to pop into Sykes, um, whereabouts are you? What website do you have? Where's the social media so, stuff? Our website is uh, www.sykeshd.com. We've got Instagram, which is Sykes Uh Facebook as well. Um, yeah, come and see us. We're on A20, A22. We're at Holmes Hill, which is uh, probably about, I'd say, 20 minutes from Brighton, about 15, 10 minutes from uh, Eastbourne, uh, and on the main road that leads uh, all the way up to sort of East Grinstead, uh, Tunbridge Wells Way. So yeah, come and see us. Just reason when we're allowed. <laughs> yeah. So have a have a look, and um, yeah, and and just uh, yeah, start start there really, and get the you know start the seed. Yeah. Plant the absolutely. seed. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant, Steve. That's uh, really great. Thanks for all that information. I, I found it really useful. Uh, yeah. Sorry if I waffle. Uh, so <laughs> part of my, uh, 
No, that, no worries, mate. No, that's that brilliant. So I think people are going to get a lot from this uh, this podcast. So thanks again for your time. I know you put a lot of effort in, and uh, hopefully no you've enjoyed it too, mate. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, um, like I say, if I've if I've waffled on, then um, apologies to all those who are listening. But hopefully, like you say, people will get something out of this. And you know, I'm happy to give anyone a, a tour of our dealership and the sales team alike if they want to just make a visit and see what what Harley Davidson is about. Brilliant. Thanks, then, mate. Take care. See you soon. Right, thank you. Cheers, yeah, mate. will do. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe and leave a positive review if you can spare a minute or two. If you would like to contact me, my email address is david at therealifebuyer.co.uk or find me at Real Life Buyer on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter where you're welcome to direct message me. I look forward to you joining me on future episodes. Take care and remember, save money and buy smart.